0: This is Mike It's the author of Profit First. And you know the most common question I get? It's, am I getting Profit First right? Well, guess what? I'm doing a live workshop here at my offices in New Jersey. It's a two-day workshop, and I want to invite you. Go to ProfitFirstLive.com. That's ProfitFirstLive.com, and come to my office, perhaps even with your bookkeeper or accountant, and master Profit First. We're gonna make your business permanently profitable. All right, my dear friends, you know how we start every episode. I have to, uh, well, you have to, I should say, strap something on. So get ready. Let's see what we got today. Get ready. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Get ready to strap on your sloppy lollipop. (laughs) You guys are a bunch of jerks. Because we are about to discuss the new insights around clockwork. That's right. You're about to hear that and so much more on today's episode of Entrepreneurship Elevator. Ooh. Yeah, I got excited. That was yeah, fun, right? Yeah. That was fun. I love the words you guys make me say, sloppy lollipop. you got to yeah. explain. I don't think a lot yeah. of people know what that is. Oh, that's true. Well, it's you... like
1: Mad Libs.
0: Oh, it's like Mad Libs. So, so, Kelsey, you explain what it is.
1: Yeah, so Jeremy and I each pick either an adjective or a noun, and we don't know what each other picks, and then Mike has to put it together to, to make the statement. So I... I pick lollipop, Jeremy picks sloppy.
0: And we used to say strap on your seatbelt and it got so boring within like two episodes we wanted to do something fresh every time. So this is our fresh thing, the sloppy lollipop, as I say. And uh, my name is Mike McCallowits. I am the author of well so many so many books like Profit First and Clockwork. I got a brand new one coming out. We have a title, Fix This Next.
1: Is that for sure? It's a
0: ninety nine percenter now. Oh,
1: that's awesome. So I
0: met with Penguin and they said, um, Here's why we like it, because each word carries a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Fix is the action, this is the target, and next is the sequence. I said, that's, we love it. Perfect. And so I've been pitching other titles, and I'm like, no, 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 that's the one, and uh, I can't I can't deny them anymore. And I'm on a mission, you know, Kels. Yes. To pick on Jordan, your sister. <laughs> and um, my other mission is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. It's, it's up there with picking on Jordan. And here's the deal. I don't know why I'm pointing to you J-Bone and saying Kels but J-Bone you lived it Kelsey you lived it too you both are business owners Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and did you experience this the day you start your business or someone hears that you're an entrepreneur they're like oh wow you must be doing pretty well for
2: yourself or wow how much jewelry do you sell how much much of the rub do you sell right did you ever get that yeah I think it's 50-50 I think uh, some people think that oh man you're doing so well and then other yeah. people are like oh you're an entrepreneur yeah, you can't get a yeah. real job yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah. oh that means you're a lazy bum oh you're... my god yeah. screw
0: them Yeah. but the reality is you're not a lazy bum you work your ass off to make a vision a reality some of the world thinks you're making tons of money some of the world thinks you're lazy but neither is the case you're working your tail off and you're not making money well we fix that on this show we eradicate entrepreneurial poverty I bit my tongue oh man I think it's bleeding oh,
2: that's it's the worst
0: Oh, my God, I did. Okay. So I'm going to slur the rest of this show. Um, Kals, uh, yeah. give me the shit you have to give me so I can get my bloody tongue some water.
1: You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Entrepreneurship, Elevated com, or any podcatcher anywhere.
0: I bit the tip of my tongue.
1: Yeah, we know now. It's I mean, like it 10 hurt. times now.
0: I bit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so excited for our guest today who's coming on. Yeah, me too. Adrienne Dorison, a business partner of mine with Clockwork, has done such extraordinary things with her with her business and um, for the Clockwork brand, I'm just uh, I'm just jacked. Um, we're gonna discover the new discoveries around Clockwork, and Clockwork has only been out a year-ish, I think, and uh, she has been so innovative. She, she's introduced new things, including a fifth D, which I can't mm-hmm. wait to get to. I do first want to thank our corporate partners uh, who make the show a reality? All the partners are are Nextiva, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> did that feel like I was going to say more? Did it?
2: Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I like that. Thank you.
0: Uh, so, so thanks to Nextiva. Um, and uh, before we roll into the show, Kels, do we have a uh, listener shout out?
1: Sure do. Ooh, I love when you play that.
0: Can't touch us. What's this listener shout out?
1: Okay, so it comes from Maureen Aquino. Aquino. Come on, man. Yeah. Love Profit First and now I'm going through clockwork. As a startup tech company, I'm loving the tools and advice. I just found this podcast and can't wait to listen to the back episodes. Thank you for your mission to end entrepreneurial poverty. All right, Maureen. Thanks, Maureen.
0: Did you plan that because we're Mm -hmm. talking about clockwork today? Amy did it. Wow, did Amy plan that, you think?
1: I'm gonna say yes, but.
0: Amy's sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's get to the business at hand here. Adrian Dorison is the co-founder of Run Like Clockwork. Which is trademarked. I did not know that, Adrian. Where, <laughs> nicely done, yeah. Where she equips entrepreneurs to design a business and team that can run itself. Adrian has helped hundreds of business leaders and teams from Fortune 500 corporations to fast growth startups to improve their profit margins, cut their costs, and take an unplugged vacation all through the power of operational efficiency and excellence. It is my honor to bring on our show. Adrian Dorson.
3: Welcome, Adrian. Ooh. Woo! Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow! The, Look oh, at his intro. This is yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got a lot for you.
3: Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing but professional. Nothing here. but professional. Now we can are. Can you believe I, I, like when I when we looked for runlikeclockwork.com I just couldn't believe that that wasn't taken already. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> I know. That's huh. pretty crazy. I hope it's you can go be. grab fix this next. You already have that, right? <sighs>
0: No. Oh, you oh, should go get that today. Before yeah, you air, yeah, okay. yeah, before uh-huh. air this. this yeah, before you air this. down. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's already taken. You know what's funny? I, I found MikeMotorbike.com. That wasn't taken, but Mike Motorcycle
2: was. <laughs> Mike Motorbike.
0: Wow. Who Mike Motorbike. It? Yeah, but Mike, Mike Motorcycle and Michael, of course, Michael Motorcycle. But who would buy Mike Motorcycle? It doesn't even rhyme. It's Michael Motorcycle.
2: So do you
1: have have a motorbike (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason why
2: it's crazy. Nobody (laughs) nobody but you ever would think that. Well, I bought Mike Motorbike
0: because of the rhyme and that was was a nickname. But Mike, I've never heard a guy named Mike Motorcycle. Do you have a motorbike? Michael Michael Motorcycle. No, he doesn't. No, is that a real thing? I don't. Is that a rhyme? Yeah, Michael, Michael Motorcycle you used to make me cry every... You don't know the punishment. <laughs> <or two for laughs> don't say it.
1: That made you cry? Yeah,
0: why do you talk to me like that? I'm starting, <laughs>
2: I'm starting to well up, What is so animal. insulting about yeah, motorcycle? Yeah, it's not even an insult. You it's jerk. like you're like, a, you're like a badass at a kid age already. All right. of you... Yeah, exactly.
3: All Michael, of you Michael, are Michael Motorcycle.
2: Ah, don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> Adrian, God,
0: I was made fun of... I Listen, all right, you want to know the story? Yeah. I yeah. I going bike feel with so price. bad for this. <laughs> Is I, this
1: true? You freaking relax me. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I used to uh, ride my bike with the training wheels. I was the last kid, the last kid to get the training wheels off. I struggled to balance on a bike. So my friends would go, "Michael, Michael motorcycle." So it's like Michael, I was like, "Michael, Michael
3: tricycle." They
0: they were in third grade. They couldn't figure that sophistication out. They were not sophisticated, but they could make fun of me, and it hurt me. And then the fact that you attacked me like that, Kelsey. (laughs) I mean,
3: just that story doesn't even make sense. It's the dumbest show ever. You know, they used to call me, which feels much harsher than Michael. Michael Motorcycle. They would say Adrian Dorkison.
0: Yeah, that's awful. awful. (laughs) That's, that's pretty creative, though. That is Dorkinson. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I was Mikala Shits. In high school, I was all McCallish Shits. Um, did you have
1: anything else?
2: No. Did Cartelli <laughs> say, uh, Did Amy
0: start
1: that? I just don't have a cool name. Yeah,
0: no, Amy didn't start it, but she carried on. The, oh. Yeah. What was yours? Yeah. Jeremy?
2: Um, uh, everybody just called me Jer. Or, mm. Jer? Or, yeah. That's what my family calls me. Everybody calls me, yeah.
1: Huh.
0: Wow! No, I didn't
2: make, have I didn't have anything cool. Just yeah,
0: McCallish I, and Dorkinson. Yeah, <laughs> we teamed up. Jeez, Jair bear. bear Oh, yeah. that's a, oh, that's that's really punishing. All right, let's get into the show here. <laughs> it's emasculating.
2: It's emasculating. Me, me. So I right. cried for days. There's so more it, to
3: this show. I thought this yeah
1: because Michael motorcycles really punishing too. <laughs> Inconceivable.
0: Okay, so let's talk about. You found a fifth D. That's a bad transition, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> you found- You found
1: a D. and found a D. Yeah. F- found yeah. another so, D. That's Adrian, right. W- w-
0: we have, the, in Clockwork. you and I, uh, the inception story was you were teaching me these concepts of how a business flows and, and all these different elements, and, we, and I proposed to you this concept of the four Ds, and mm-hmm. you digested and gave me some ideas. And why don't you tell us what the four Ds are, and then tell us, tell us about the fifth D that you found.
3: Yeah, so the four D's that we talk about already in the book are doing, which is like actually doing the work, and then deciding, which is making decisions for other people, essentially assigning them just a task. Um, So then they have to come back to you, ask more questions, you're doing a lot of decision making. Uh, Delegating, which is the outsourcing of more ownership or responsibility. So less deciding in there. And then the fourth D is designing, which is all about the creating of the future, the more like futuristic strategic thinking type of activity. So those are the four Ds. Um, it's how we kind of measure where people's time is going, not just the owner, but pretty much every single person on the team. It's really important to understand where everyone's time is going amongst those four Work types, but then, you know, the discoveries happen as you're working with more and more people, right? Like the intellectual property never stops, which is why you keep writing books, right? There's like more right. and more things to discover. So, um, what we found was that a lot of people were having trouble with classifying all of their time amongst these four work types, and I was like, well, tell me what what you think does not fall into those categories. And so we classified the fifth D, which is distraction. <laughs> so mm. it's mm. not something that we actually want to work into your 4D mix. We don't want that to be you know, a large part. But same thing for deciding. We don't really want that to be a large part of your company mix. But the truth is, is that it's happening, right? Yeah, so people were yeah, yeah. like, finding all of this time where they're like spending an hour on Facebook where they're like, actually, I wasn't doing anything. (laughs) You know, I was, I was essentially distracted. Um, so when they were coming to me, they were trying to figure out how to classify that work type. Um, they're like, does it go in doing, does it go into that? I'm like, it doesn't go in any of those. I was like, that's just distraction. But the value of understanding how much of your time is actually distracted throughout the given week. Is really valuable, right? So we want to be able to capture that because a lot of people think that they're working 40, 50, 60-hour weeks when in actuality a huge chunk of their time is based in distraction. So we could essentially um, reduce your workload over a given week just by cleaning up that fifth work type really through your habit building. Because sometimes you don't even notice. And that's the value of time tracking too. Yeah, yeah. As annoying as it is, like, it's the hardest thing for us to get people to do, but it's the most valuable data that we have um, to continue to clockwork your business and to start moving that needle. It's like really understanding where's the time going. And so if we can understand that, like, hey, an hour a day or five hours a week or 20 hours a week, if we're being really honest with ourselves sometimes, uh, is being pulled into the distraction work type, it's something you can immediately move the needle on just through some better habits. So it's really important for us to know that. I think it's like the average person um, like switches tasks over 300 times a day, which is wow. insane, right? Because every time that you switch tasks in that way, so even when we're doing time tracking, we're looking at things that like, how long is someone spending on one activity? Because I'll get team member or even owners who will submit their time tracking to me and I see that they're spending two minutes on this, seven minutes on this, 14 minutes on this, three minutes on this. Um, And all of that back and forth, that context switching is bouncing back and forth is a huge challenge to your brain, right? Like your brain can't actually be super efficient if it's going from one activity to the next really fast like that. So it takes you time to actually like get back to the activity. So the same thing is true for a distraction. Like if you're opening your Instagram or your email, right. Or if you get a notification, like those are all things that do take you away from the work type. So that was something that was super important for us to at least classify so that people could understand like, this is costing you money. (laughs) Like it's costing you. It is, it is a cost and and every inefficiency is a cost to the business, whether it's money Time is money. Team time, which is money. <laughs> it's all money, right, at some point. Yeah.
0: You know, my knee-jerk reaction when you first told me about the fifth D was, oh, my gosh, distraction is damaging. It's, it's we got to avoid at all costs. And then you gave me a little more insight that we need to control it, mm-hmm. but voiding those outlets, too, could be damaging. Like, you know, if you put someone in that work mindset, they're a mule, just keep cranking and cranking. That's damaging too. So yeah, you, you said distraction. Distraction is a small piece, kind of like deciding. Could you share a little bit about the upside of distraction?
3: Yeah, I mean, like cat videos are good sometimes <laughs> because you Jeremy
0: need- loves cat videos.
3: <laughs> the, what the obsession <laughs> with know, cat videos, right? But
0: oh, Jeremy is
3: weird. You know, I mean, but they are good. Like people need breaks, and so some some of the <laughs> um, clients that we have in Clockwork, they they will classify it as like distraction or a better D would be downtime, right? Oh, I like that. You know? So maybe that's the sixth D. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need some downtime or some some actual breaks because most of us are, especially as owners or higher level, um, you know, people inside the company, like we're doing a lot more knowledge work um, versus manual labor. And your brain isn't wired or equipped to go long period extended periods of time without downtime or breaks it won't it won't be as efficient either so there are there is value to those scheduled downtimes or what i call like intentional downtime because if you're just doing it from like an unconscious place then you could spend 30 60 minutes scrolling and then feel guilty about it when you have to come back to work Mm. versus saying you know what i'm going to spend 15 minutes like just scrolling here or just like looking at some videos and like getting a laugh or being like, but I'm being really intentional with it. I might even set a timer so that it doesn't go on forever and ever and ever or that I'm not doing it unintentionally or like subconsciously. uh, But I'm doing it with, with more intention with the purpose of coming back to a more productive state so I think that's the value of understanding where that time is going and how you could actually work it in more intentionally, because the same thing is true for your team members. Like to expect that they'll go, you know, four, eight, twelve hours a day without downtime or breaks is unrealistic. Like you said, it's like yeah. a mule. <laughs> and that's not yeah. I don't think the culture that most of us want for our team. There's a also a um this concept of the, the 40 hour work week, which doesn't really make much sense. And it's sort of the, uh, like, you know, in, in the corporate world, one of my least favorite sayings is like, because we've always done it that way. (laughs) Like, that's why we're still doing it because we've always done it that way. And the 40 hour work week is kind of that to me, like in Mm. the knowledge worker space, like the 40 hour work week is not it doesn't really make much sense for the way that our brains are wired. And so we have to be really conscious of that as we create our work weeks and understand how we work best and, and how our teams work best and, you know, being efficient isn't just about like producing more and more widgets, you know? Yeah.
1: Right.
0: I wonder if you have a tip for this. Um, so our today. office, like this morning, we had that little birthday celebration impromptu, and then people start horsing around and having fun. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, uh-oh, we're not productive. But now I'm like, oh, this this kind of greases the gears of the organization. That we're building yeah. friendships and trust, yeah. so it's actually one of the best things. Mm-hmm. But I also realize there's a point where someone could be constantly instigating distraction for other people. Is there a way to balance this, Adrian? Is there a way to mm-hmm. control that? That experience,
3: yeah, I think it's again like being really intentional with it, right? Like the you know the birthday party get together, like those are planned and they're fun and they're they're purposeful and and the purpose you know might not be a productive time necessarily in terms of getting work done, but actually you go back to your desk more ready to do yeah. the work. So I think that that's important versus just the again it's the unconscious. Of constant interruption, things like that, where other people are disrupting other people throughout the day, things like that, that the, that is not planned, and that's actually going to be way less efficient. So one of the things, especially when you think about um, like open offices, which I know that you have a little bit of an open office there, which is like scientifically proven to not be good for efficiency, but. You have to be conscious of that, right, and make sure that like you have the boundaries in place to say, okay, I, you know, I put this sign up when I really need to be focused and doing my deep work. Other than that, when the sign is down, you can come and talk to me, or even mm-hmm. having like specific. I've had clients who have like specific. Um, Like office hours for their team, because otherwise they get constantly interrupted with the phrase, which is a deciding identifier. Like, I can identify that someone's being pulled into a deciding work type when someone knocks on their door and says, You got a minute? Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like, if you have constant, like, got a minutes all day long, um, none of your high level work is actually gonna be getting done. And so that is a huge distraction to have the constant, you know, team members coming in or, coworkers, whoever it is, right? So instead of allowing that all day long, you could allow an hour at the end of your day for God a minutes" <laughs> and just yeah, yeah, yeah. Like structure it that way so that it's more planned. Um, and you, what will happen is number one, when, when people are put into situations where they have to be resourceful and figure out answers for themselves because they don't have immediate access to you, typically, they will be resourceful and they will figure out the answer. They will do their best with what they've got and they'll figure it out. Or they'll only bring the most important things to you at the end of, you know, at the end of that day or during that set time versus just bringing everything to you because they can. So I think that even the structure of that will actually reduce the amount of decisions that, and distractions that come to you. So I think that that's a, a key for people when they're trying to, you know, find the balance between, distraction and camaraderie inside of a
0: yeah, culture yeah. i got you know bonnie does that to me she does knocks knocks on my door like, and she like it's super quiet so i'm like did someone knock you know she's like to not inter- the not interrupt knock which is really interrupting right and she'll like, a like, minute. is there a is there, yeah.
3: no? is there someone there <laughs> no you
0: don't do it really by saying the most distracting person actually is me to you i come out to your spot all the time kels and like hey what are you doing <laughs> I don't even I got a minute. I'm like, I want to break into conversation, and then, mm-hmm. so I take you away from your work. I assign you something different. I don't know how you manage that. We should get you an office, I think, at some point.
1: Yeah, I actually think that this process of me leaving has been really good. Um,
0: Talking to the microphone for once.
1: It's been really good for actually yeah. delegating as opposed to me being in a deciding role for mm. the rest of the employees. You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. yeah, so can, everyone thing we're doing. be more Are resourceful.
3: You're... But I think that even like I've had te- like pe- team members come to me and say that they were like clockworking their their companies from within, like without the owner even knowing, which I think is really interesting. Oh, I yeah. love hearing that. I love this too because you, Kelsey, knowing these like frameworks and th- and tools and things like that can can identify like, okay, this is what Mike's doing to me right now. How can I take this and, you know, make sure that he's not asking me for these decisions. And if he's just distracting you, sometimes it's a common language that can help you, you know, share those concepts with people in a way that serves the company as a whole. Because sometimes as a team member, that can be very scary to be like, uh, he's distracting me. Right. But now that you like have a common language where you can be like, okay, this is distraction or this is that fifth D that I'm talking about, you know, and you can do it in a lighthearted, fun way. Um, and that common language I think is key for, for really giving people a an open culture of how to actually clockwork the business from all sides, because it can't just be one person trying to pull the whole weight of this. Yeah Jay, Jay
0: Bozen's zone Did you have a question
3: Oh no
2: no no! I was just gonna say um, I think you Give yourself You need to give yourself More credit Than what you do Yeah For the pace That you keep up Yeah And I could be wrong But I, Cause I remember Before when we worked together And we were In Myr- Myrtle Yeah. Yeah The amount of phone calls That you would make in a day Made me want to jump out the window. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> he's a how, machine. seriously well, yeah, how like how literally... do you talk? How do you talk and make these phone like all yeah. day long? Yeah, and then interviews and all this stuff. And, and you're and,
1: interrupted a bajillion times. Yeah, yeah. And
2: you still keep up an insane pace. I, I don't. I don't think I ever see you take a break. You eat sushi standing up. Like <laughs> seriously, like really? I know think about that's it. a
0: pro- That is a problem, though, right? Yeah that that's my own mania. Thank you for saying that, but yeah. also it's it's a challenge. Um, Adrian, one thing that we most commonly hear is about the QBR. That's probably the most common question mm-hmm. about uh clockwork. They want to yeah. know what it is, how to serve it, uh, how to find it. And you've taken what's in the book and you've through the run like clockwork workshops has really taken it to another level. Can you share some of the features around QBR and, and some of the techniques maybe you're using to discover it and use it?
3: Yeah, this is like the biggest question that we get as well as even once people understand the concept, they really want confirmation that they nailed it. <laughs> Um, which is not always something that I can give unless I have, you know, know your business and understand it. Right. So like giving some identifiers of ways that you could know if you're even on the right track, I think has been really helpful for people. Um, But some of the things that we go back to are the core concepts that we talk about inside the book. Like I think the Savannah bananas example is probably the, (laughs) like the best example we could ever use. Um, because it's just so clean and they protect and serve it so well that it's an easy example to to model. But one of the things that you mentioned one time that I, I have been communicating to people is the idea of the home run versus just being in the ballpark, right? Because when people are identifying their queen bee role or their QBR, which is the most important activity, inside Mm -hmm. of the business to deliver on that big promise to our customer, right? The big brand Mm -hmm. promise. So when we're thinking about the activity related to that big promise, um, a lot of times people think like, well, I have to do all these things when they, when they put their post-it notes out. And if you haven't done this exercise, definitely look in the book, do it right. Um, They put their post-it notes out and they're like, but I can't get rid of invoicing because, you know, if I don't invoice, then like I won't have a business and I can't get rid of, you know, these other things. And so I like the example of the Savannah bananas because it's not that they stopped selling tickets to the game. Right. And it's not that they stopped playing baseball like these. They still also sell hot dogs and they have to do all the things that run with a concession stand. But those are just things that are like, they've chosen to, that those are just the things that are like, those are in the ballpark of running this business model. And the entertainment factor and the fresh ideas is the home run, right? And that right. actually allows them to uh, utilize resources a little bit differently. And I love the, the this example in terms of resource efficiency, like using our resources, because when we can identify that for the Savannah bananas, their big promise is fans first, entertain always. And their QBR is their ideation or their fresh ideas. And I've gone a little bit deeper and even like looked at, um, Jesse Cole, the the owner, have looked at like some of his work. They haven't they have a one pm. idea meeting every single day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the QBR, right? like they're they're doing that in action. But what that allows us to do is spend less resources on other areas, right? So this is a a, a resource efficiency tool. When we think about clockwork and operations. It's all about efficiency that we're talking about. So now that we know that the QBR is related to the entertainment, those I- fresh ideas coming up with those fresh ideas, I still have to spend money on baseball players, right? Because I still have to play baseball. But what I do not have to do is spend m- the most money to get the best players because that's not my big promise. It's not my right. QBR. I'm still going to have to invest in players, but I'd rather invest in maybe the cheaper players who are willing to put on a grandma costume, right? Yeah. So a different baseball team might decide on something else and they might say, we're going to, you know, our, maybe we're going to say that we're going to be the winningest most team, whatever. And then they probably do need to invest those resources towards that and they can spend less on uh, entertainment, for example. So these are like, but they still have to sell tickets. They still have to, you know, make sure there's hot dogs. They still, so, so that in terms of just helping you understand, like the QBR is like, that's your home run. That has to be your home run. The other things are just like in the ballpark of doing business. And it's to help you understand how to allocate resources more efficiently to grow the company even faster and make sure that your survivability is uh, thriving too. So that's like one of the big things is just getting that really clear because a lot of people think, well, that can't be my QBR because I still have to do all these other things. I'm like, yes, you do have to do these other things, but you can allocate less resources towards them or they become that much easier when you're really hitting that home run. Mm -hmm. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. there's a second seat to the QBR. So last thing I'm going to ask you before we start wrapping things up is – You've been teaching people how to move from deciding, many businesses are stuck there, we decide for our employees, endless stream of questions, to actually delegation, where you're assigning outcomes and employees are making decisions. How do you help people navigate from deciding to delegating?
3: Yeah. So this is the big, big thing that I think usually takes the most amount of time as we actually clockwork people, right? Like this is where a lot of your time is going to be spent because it has a lot to do with capturing systems. It has a lot to do with transferring of information and knowledge. And most specifically, it has a lot to do with relinquishing some control over the decisions that maybe you're making inside the business. And I always tell people that like your um, your you know stronghold on the control is the reason you don't have more freedom so it's like you're exchanging control for freedom in some ways mm-hmm. so the reasons that people don't make decisions are very clear and this is what i always start with when we're trying to move someone from deciding to delegated is number one identification of why this person is not making a decision and so i go through this PIC framework, um, which is number the, the three reasons they're maybe not making a decision in their role is number one, they don't have permission. So permission comes in many forms. Let's just say formal permission, you've actually handed over permission to make that decision. Because They're humans. They are on your team. They are probably, you know, making a salary or you're paying for their livelihood. And so there's a, there's a, you know, a level of safety and security that it doesn't feel safe to them to make decisions in the business uh, because you haven't given them permission to do that. So sometimes it's literally as simple as saying like, I trust you to make decisions in this area. And that could be it. The other way that you've maybe, uh, maybe you've felt you've given permission but they, at some point, made a decision that you didn't like and you relinquished that, <laughs> that decision-making permission because mm-hmm. you then changed the decision that they've made. And there's better ways to do this um, in terms of, okay, but what if they did make a wrong decision? Well, then it's probably because they didn't have the right information, which is number two. So P, permission, permission. I, information, do they have the information that they need to actually make a decision? Because we always want people to be like Mm. five steps ahead of us. I wish my team members were five steps ahead of me. And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't told them where you're actually going or what information they might need to make a good decision, right? Again, they want to make good decisions for you. They care about your business if they're on your team. And if you haven't transferred that information to them, it's very hard for them to feel safe making a decision. So sometimes that information is in your head, and we use a lot of decision-making tools to like transfer it out onto documentation, capturing systems, things like that. Um, sometimes it's just like locked in a Google drive (laughs) that you haven't given them access to. And you're wondering why they're not making decisions or why they're making poor decisions. And it's because they don't have access to the same information that you have. So instead of saying no one else can ever make this decision, spend the time transferring that information to them so that they can make a better one for you. And then the third reason they're not making decisions is confidence, um, and mm. lack of confidence usually stems from a lack of one of the first two, permission or information, sometimes a combination. But sometimes it's just that they've made mistakes in the past and they really need to rebuild that confidence. Or I've i have I've seen this on my own team, people that have come from previous teams or employers that maybe they even have like a little bit of PTSD around making decisions because they've had... You know, a negative situation where they got in trouble, or maybe they got fired for making a decision. You don't know how someone has managed them or led them in the past. And so even having an open line of communication and just knowing your team members um, in terms of their confidence around those areas and and helping them understand the new culture that they're in and that you want them to make decisions, and that you've transferred information effectively so that they can feel good about the decisions they're making. And then sometimes you just have people that are green or they're they're newer and we can expect that their confidence will be lower. And so it's your job and your team's job to build their confidence by recognizing the decision-making and noticing it and complimenting them on it and, and rewarding them for it. Even if you're like gritting your teeth because you're like, it's not the right decision, but guess yeah. what, they made a decision, right? And that will build their confidence over time um, is that reassurance. And I think that's one of the most important places that an owner or a leader can really spend their time is knowing their people and mentoring and leading them um, to build them up versus just keeping everything on your own plate. And that is something that I think usually gets put on the back burner, but it's, it's the thing that will help you grow the fastest. So I think that if you're looking to, to figure out why are they not making decisions, ask yourself, do they lack permission? Do they lack information? Or are they lacking confidence and then fill that gap and that will move so much faster?
0: I love these insights. Actually, one of your students just returned from a four-week vacation. It was an accountant. We're recording this a couple days after tax day. He left for four weeks during tax season and returned after tax season is over. His business actually has grown. That's that's a business that's right? Yeah, that's the point. And uh, you're doing these workshops now throughout the country. Actually, I think you even do some international travel. Uh Adrian, where can people sign up to go through a run like clockwork workshop with you?
3: Yeah, so we're doing um workshops in person as well as we have online access nice. to our training now. So, if you go to runlikeclockwork.com, there's information on how to, you know, hear about those workshops when they're coming up, get on the wait list for our online training. Um, these are the tools that we teach in, in depth and then apply them specifically to your business because yeah, the client that you're, you're talking about, he was like, is it crazy for me to take a four, my four week vacation during the busiest month of the year? And I was like, that would be the ultimate test. And I think it would be a really great opportunity for your team to step up and show you what we know they're actually capable of. And really it's more about getting prepped for that training day and then, team can step in so i think that i think that it's such a a cool thing to see and especially when you know it's growing <laughs> when you're gone it's just yeah it's super cool so run is where all the info is
0: great awesome. we'll put that in the show notes adrian hang tight with us we, we're gonna bring you back on for a little uh, segment we're doing but thanks for joining us today all right guys here we are so um I can't endorse Adrian more fully. Um, what she's doing is phenomenal, and a lot of people don't know. Like they say, "Oh, Mike, those are all your, your ideas in the book." I don't. I, don't I, I accumulate ideas from other people. So I interviewed probably about twenty experts. Adrian, hands down, is the number one expert in this space, and a lot of the ideas in Clockwork were a culmination of the work I did with her specifically, and was and just proud to have partnered with her on Run Like Clockwork. Um, all right. So here's the thing: we're, we got we're going to skip the uh, Just Jordan because, quite frankly. It's just for Jordan. and uh, <laughs> we, But we got to do other things. I want to thank Nick Steve. It's a voice over IP phone system, arguably one of the best phone systems out there. Affordable, effective, powerful. J Bone, we got to get one to your house at some point. Over my 12 years of being an author devoted to the small business entrepreneur, I've discovered the biggest challenge. And you know what it is it's profitability. That's why I wrote Profit First and that's why I'm now hosting a two-day workshop here at my offices in Boonton, New Jersey where I will teach you and my team will teach you how to become permanently profitable. Go to ProfitFirstLive.com right now to get details. Again, ProfitFirstLive.com. Find the dates that work for you and I'll see you here at my office. Okay, what, what do we got uh, to do next? Oh, we, we learn. Yeah. Okay. So i'm gonna go first you do it you know i was shocked that there's 300 task changes a day
1: i know but i'm not really i mean 300 i am shocked by 300 but i do know that i will do it a ton i think email is like the biggest culprit of yeah like kind of managing your inbox if you have it open yeah, it's like my eye is drawn to it, and I have to be on top of
0: it. And
2: me running know? over every ten seconds, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That doesn't> help. <laughs> it's like with, with social media and technology. How can everyone not have ADD? Like I just feel like everybody has ADD because yeah. it's like it's just there's too much stimulation all the time, all the
0: time.
1: Yeah, I think it is. But the,
0: we we do have the right to turn it off. We don't have to have it. I had a friend. Uh, I don't think I would do this. He has no televisions in his house, no physical televisions. Yeah. And his kids are now, his oldest kid, I think, was 10 years old. He said he's never watched TV in our house. And um, part of me is like, how can you live that way? You're like an animal?
1: Yeah, I have a friend like that too. But
0: part of me is like, that actually sounds like you'd actually find how to live pretty well without mm-hmm. that. It may be mm-hmm. better. Um, what, what was your takeaway? Anything else you want to add? You're good?
1: I love all this. Um, I really like... Um, you got
0: to speak into the microphone. I'm not trying to be a pain. Sorry,
1: I can't read Hold the microphone down. Okay. Um, I really like her breaking down, moving from deciding to delegating. Okay, yeah. Um, giving them permission. Uh, yeah. Giving them the right information. I feel like that's super critical. Like The other two are kind of easier to, or potentially easier to do in theory. But um, for me particularly, I feel like I have a lot of stuff in my head that I think is sort of... Um, natural or obvious that I don't realize really needs to get translated and be on paper and you know someplace that people can access it because it's not necessarily in their head right particularly with different software and and um it's not always user-friendly or intuitive you know
2: yeah good insights I like that J-Bone anything else you want to add or you good yeah I like the um the fact that just because it's a distraction you can you can change and turn into a positive uh you just have to manage it
0: yeah Yeah, yeah, no, I like that too. Just awareness and control. All right. um, I got a little game for us, guys. Okay. Adrian, do we still have you? Uh Oh, we may have lost the connection. So, Adrian, if you're there, (laughs) you're out of the game, because I can't hear you. (laughs) But um, nonetheless, don't leave us because we have to upload your file. That's a little technical thing. All right, so here's what it is. We did this once before. I'm going to give you... Uh, four company names, uh-huh. four companies that you'll recognize, but they had names prior. Well, three of them did. One's a fake. And your job, Kelsey and Jay Clone, is to tell me which one is the fake. That's simple, right? Easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and once we're done, I'll give you a little history on each one. First one's Google. You know, a Google, <laughs> a Google, Google was originally called Backrub. Backrub. Google, we talked about them today, was originally called Backrub. Okay, next one. <laughs> Pepsi was originally called Brad's Drink. Brad, like, possessive S. Brad's Drink. Uh, Coca Cola, ooh, there's another soda. Coca Cola was originally called Fizzle. Z- fizzle. And Twitter was originally called Twitch. Twitch. You ever get an eye twitch that just yes, won't go away? I hate that. I don't think other people can see it, but you feel it's like.
1: I think you can see it sometimes. I feel like I've noticed that on other people.
0: Oh, I thought you were winking at me real fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was. Yeah,
0: okay. Uh, like someone's, someone's behind the desk about to kill you, Mike. You know, you're trying to do one of those winks.
1: Uh, it was just really spastic. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, all right. Uh, Kalis, why don't you go first? Uh, do you want me to repeat them or do you. No,
1: I got it. Okay. I feel like I'm going to go with Google.
0: Google was
2: not called back rub, you say, okay? Right. All right. And Jay Clune. This is really tough. I honestly I think Coca Cola has always been Coca Cola. Yeah, I don't think it was Fizzle. I don't think it was Fizzle. So I'm going to go with Coca Cola. Okay. Do you want to change yours,
1: Kenneth?
2: No. Okay. For diversity's sake. One of you
0: gets a hallelujah. And it's Jay Sloan again. Again. I'm killing it today. Episode after episode, week after week. He's a smarty. Google was originally called Backrub. Uh, they giant, the search giant got its name, though, its newest name through a misspelling, a fortunate misspelling. So someone suggested uh, they do Googleplex, which is means a huge amount of numbers, I think. And uh, Larry Page literally went on to whatever source it was to find it and typed in Google, but he misspelled it. Google is G-O-O-G-O-L. He spelled it G O G G O O G L E. Hmm. Entered it. It was available. He bought the domain, and that's what they got. Cool, just like I'm gonna buy, fix this. I wonder next. why
1: they thought back rub was a good name.
0: I, I don't know, you know, sometimes these companies just start off this yeah. way. Yeah, weird. Probably Larry Page was giving uh Sergey Brin a back rub. <laughs> Pepsi was originally called Brad's Drink, drinks now known as Pepsi Cola was first created by drugstore owner Caleb Bradham, and that's where he got the Brad from. It's made shockingly of sugar, water, and caramel coloring. Shocking, yeah, shocking. Coca Cola was never named Fizzle, it was Coca Cola from day one. Uh, Twitter was originally named Twitch. In an interview at the LA Times, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey explained that when naming the social media platform, its founders wanted something that captured the physical sensation that you're buzzing your friend's pocket. While Twitch initially came to mind, the yeah. founders felt that it didn't bring up the right in imagery. Because yeah, of that. Exactly. You know we, like, We're like twitching eyes and stuff, and decided Twitter... Uh, and, uh, Seizure, social media, exactly, exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. clasping I love your that chest as a feeling when
1: you're twitching.
2: Yeah. A You know when your oh, legs give that to all my friends. <laughs> your leg spasms and you wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> That's a perfect one. Yeah.
0: All right, um, I do have a tip for us, but I, th- I think I threw it on the ground, so i meant have to skip it for today. <laughs> I, yeah, I did. You know, I, I have like always tips written down that I want to share, and I—yeah, I threw it out. So, we're going to skip that. We're skipping just Jordan, and we're skipping that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Do you want to do some Wait, listener look, mail? look, 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 Oh, sugar. <laughs> Give me the listener mail.
0: What is that? How's that falling off the table? Because
1: you're, you're putting on a wire.
0: Oh. What is... So, the papers were all about to fall off the table, and Jeremy's about to laugh at me. So, what do you got for... um
1: Listener, listener mail? mail, yeah. This comes from Libby Webb. She writes... Oh. I have money in my business savings account for an emergency fund, as well as personal savings for emergencies. I heard you mention something about this when talking about your grandmother's envelopes. How do you allocate slash account for an emergency fund for your business? I don't see this in your profit first formula, and I believe it is vital to have a safety net of ready savings on hand in case of an equipment malfunction, fire theft, etc. Something to pay those deductibles, etc. that might come up. Would you be interested to... Oh. I would be interested to understand how to handle that.
0: We, I, I wish she said, Would you be interested in how to handle it? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I would. You no, know, it's in the book. It's in the advanced section. It's called the Vault account. We have one for both the our business here and also the Profit First Professionals organization. Uh, Adrian I hope has one running at Run Like Clockwork. But a Vault account is an account where you store a small portion of money and you hide it away from the business with no other intention besides becoming your own bank. And it builds small and accumulates funds, but it puts us in a position here with Prop First Professionals. A building came for sale, and uh, we made an offer. Uh, the owner was not willing to accept it, but we could have paid nearly cash to buy this building. They wanted something higher, and we said it's not worth it to us. That would never happen without the vault. Right. And that was an emergency. That was an opportunity we could spring on. And um, you know, emergencies will happen. So now the money's reserved, and if if business tanks or something, we can we can fund this business for a year employee pay without panicking and and the beautiful thing is when you have that money if problems happen it gives you time to think through and solve it Mm -hmm. so everyone should have that in our personal accounts we have the same thing we have three months of salary saved and set aside for an emergency and had a call on it once so that's how you do it yeah pretty pretty sweet all right do we have anything else or is that it I think that's it all right take us out nice and excitingly
1: please don't forget to subscribe and review or rate us that's
0: it so, uh, you know, visit the Mike McAllowitz site if you would. I know, I know you know my nickname was Mike Motorcycle. Michael Motorbike and or Mike, no, I can't <laughs> God damn. Mike Motorbike, I was made fun of as Michael Michael Motorcycle and it hurts my feelings. So go to MikeMotorbike.com. You can check out the website. You can download a free copy of my books, uh, free chapters. I'm a podcaster, as you can tell, and uh, I got some other stuff there too. So go do that now. All right, we'll see you guys later. Bye.